0: Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I really do hope you guys had a great week. Mine was pretty good. Uh, We almost actually went for a house. Uh, We did put in um, like what we wanted to do, but there was a part of us after we kind of did it, we started talking and they tried to counter and we just kind of felt we needed to pull out. It's just something my wife and I prayed about and we talked about. So of course we're back on to looking, but that's okay. We kind of have an idea of to be a little bit more patient about this. Um, to, even though we were being patient, but being a little bit more patient because we want to make sure we get something that God is clearly saying, "Hey, this is okay. You could do this." Um. So keep praying. Uh, we're st- not a lot of houses, we, you know, because one of the things we do have to consider is my wife's health. And so that's something that's now involved a little bit more readily because uh we you know we kind of started learning a little bit more things about some houses that may have not been you know taken care of very well and how it could cause other issues for us. So anyway, um also I would like you guys you know, I know I told you about my friend Helios or H uh his dad died a couple of weeks ago. Keep praying for him. But his wife's uh dad died yesterday and So, it's really hard in the family right now, and they just need the prayers. So, anyway, this week, you know, I wanted to kind of continue the conversation of prayer. But this week, specifically, is about a topic that is usually hard for people to grasp. Most of the time when we have this type of discussion is about forgiveness. But in this case, I'm calling it prayer enemies. The idea behind this whole concept is the understanding of what it is that we mean by enemy. We don't really talk about how we need to be praying or our enemies because when we think of enemies, the first thought that people always think and even our culture kind of describes it as people you hate, but if we were to take the Oxford definition. It says a person who one hates someone, two acts or speaks against someone or something. You see, in Scripture, Jesus does mention that when they say that they will hate us for being a believer, it's because they hate him. Now, we can start getting into a really deep conversation about what that really means, because in Scripture, we know that God hates sin. And we also know that... God doesn't like wickedness. God doesn't like those that are foolish. God doesn't like... Are you seeing the trend? Okay. Understanding that what God views as things he hates, dislikes, or whatever you want to call it. But it, it goes to the understanding that God hates sin. Now, the question has to go back, what about our enemies? If we are considered enemies to God, are we supposed to hate our enemies? Well, before we get into the to the verses on that subject, let's clarify some thoughts, okay? Enemies doesn't always mean hating somebody. So if I were to consider someone an enemy as someone who has, one, acted or spoke against me, either by lying disrespecting, um, betraying, um, showing being two-faced, sharing sharing, like false witness against me. Any, Any of those that could be categorized as someone who could be considered an enemy. As for you guys, I'm sure it's the same thing. You could probably think of people like this. If you were bullied, you probably considered your bully an enemy. What about, like, you know, your boss at work? You might consider an enemy. But the, the loose term that I hear a lot from people, because it's a loose term in the, in the culture, is I hate them. I hate my boss. I hate my family. I hate my brother and sister. I hate, I hate, the word hate gets used a lot the thing is, you could probably justify it over and over in your head by saying the word hate because of how deeply angered, hurt, frustrated towards that person you may actually be. But we, we got to remember something. In Ephesians 6, does it not teach us in verse 12 that we're not battling them? We're battling, we're not like it says, not against the flesh, but against the spirit now I want you guys to think about that statement if we're supposed to be battling against the spirit but these people are doing wrong to me what are we supposed to do or act for from that you know that was something I had to learn back in 2016 or 19 I had to understand line and it was very quickly thrown to me because there is in verses and I I believe we'll actually speak this out at some point but God says I will take the battle for you you know I will take care of that part and I remember in January when I realized that the enemy was really pushing really hard that the people involved were really being aggressive about it I wanted to fight. That was my natural instinct as a guy and as someone who has been bullied before and who's been mistreated before. I didn't want to be put at that level of feeling weak. And I remember being so frustrated, not understanding what to do and just asking God, please remove me. Help me find another job. Can I start looking for another job? And I remember him saying it's okay to do that and then he said but I will fight your battle and I sat in my head you know like debating I'm like no I want to fight my battle I could speak up I can say what I need to say but then he said to me minister to those that you're ministering I will fight your battle. Now, if you were to look at the next six months, you would, from a human perspective, it doesn't look like God was fighting my battle per se, because I've had people say, it sounds like you should have said something, it sounds like you were too quiet, whatever it may be. But in reality, from what my perspective, it doesn't mean that I will not face some of that valley battle. And I think that's what makes it really hard for us to pray for our enemies. Because we think that if God's going to fight my battle, then that means I won't have to face anything. I'll be able to escape being scathed. As much as that you want to imagine that being true, that's not necessarily what's going to happen because people still make choices. People still say things. People will hurt you because they have that freedom to do so. But the cool part is you're not alone. Now, the hard part about all this conversation is that the enemy also sees what's happening and also wants to get in and wants to, you know, do anything possible to break you, to not trust God, to not have faith, to think the worst and to fall and fail. And they will pressure people to try to break you. They will use people against you. And of course, people will will create accusations and they will, make up stories and they will create lies and then they will present it to people that are easily influenced because they present a face. Those are two faced people. Those are deceitful people. And sadly, what you thought was trust and what you thought was friendships and what you thought was people who cared turned to turn to be not that, because they believe the lie over what they know of you. And that's why it makes it really hard to not just look at someone and wish the worst on them, which I know many of you probably are thinking in your head, but you know the people that hurt me deserve to be hurt, deserve to feel the pain that I felt. And honestly, in my head, my human head is I agree with you But what we want as humans is instant justice. Now, this makes it really hard because I don't have verses that I was talking because we've talked about this many times. Like, I don't have it set because my focus was to be more on understanding the hate and hurt that we, we feel towards people. But here's the question. Remember, I said in the beginning that God hates sin. This is hard to say to some people who might have never really realized this, but God hates you because of your sin, unless you love Jesus. Now, I don't mean he doesn't love you because you remember John 3.16, he sent his son to this world. Why? Because he loved you. But sin can't be with him. That means we're separated from him until we know him. And it's interesting because the verses we'll talk about in a little bit also will kind of reflect that, that, that picture. So, you know, we go to Matthew 5. You go to Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. It says, You heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. For you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the task collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is hard because in, in our minds, we're like, yes, but that person is awful. Now, I will be honest with you guys. I struggled every day from January until they kicked me out, let alone I look at it because God removed me because that's also what happened to every day I would go in the office, say good morning, and the people who didn't have issue would say good morning and talk to me. People who had issue would say it in a way that was degrungent. And I would talk to those that were willing to talk to me. And I go back to my office. And I want you to understand how hard it was to do that. When I know that the one person was creating lies and stories to make me look bad And yet I would go every morning, I'd walk in there as much as I didn't want to, to say good morning to them. I want you to know how how hard it can be to do that. But here's the thought. If we're supposed to pray for enemies, love them, we got to go back and start thinking Jesus. And this is where the connection of understanding that, you know, God hates sin We are sinners Jesus died on the cross for us Because we're sinners Forgave us And could have hated On every single person In this world But didn't And instead He took on All of our sin Willingly Died on the cross Separating himself Dying and then rising again, defeating what sin's curse has placed on humanity. Is that uh, makes it interesting, huh? So now let's think about this. We're going to continue talking about this, this enemy issues that we have, right? Romans 12 verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I want you to know that a lot of people struggle with this. Bless them, do not curse them. How many times have you struggled with someone that you had issue with? Would consider them an enemy, or anything else we could think of, and have cursed them out? It's hard. But we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to bless them. Verse 17 says, repay no one for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all which I could tell you that was very impossible to do in my situation. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them, be as thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing so... By, by so doing, you he will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but over overcome evil with good. It is the hardest thing in the world to show kindness to someone who is being a jerk to you, who is lying about you, who is being deceptive about you, who has abused you, and who has attacked you. Now, none of this means we're supposed to be hanging out with them. We're not supposed to be around them. But if they were to come and say, I'm thirsty, you don't just slam the door. You give them something to drink. It does not mean you invite them in. It does not mean you start showing love back to them in that sense, like being a part of the family again or being a part of your life. What it means is you show kindness. And I would be honest with you. If I was in a situation where I was abused by someone, I would not be near them at all. It would be, I pray for them because my hope would be that they would find Jesus. And that someday they repent. And someday they may even apologize to me for what they did. Doesn't mean they'll ever be a part of my life. But we should be praying for them. Just like we should be praying For those people who hurt us in other ways, just like the boss who's being a jerk. It doesn't mean that we may not get to see some consequences that happen to them, and especially if they are not willing to change, but at the same time, we should be willing to pray for them. So, overall, we have to be super careful when we allow our anger to fester about people that we have issue with because that will lead to the first definition of enemy, which is hating. We're not supposed to be haters. And there's sometimes where I hear like even in the He Gets Us concept There was no teaching that we're not supposed to be hate. There was a teaching that Jesus can love those that we hate, but we're not supposed to hate at all. So the idea of getting to a point of hate means that we forgot to do some things. And that was giving God our problems, our hurt and our pains, because we've talked about anxiety and how it affects our life and how it's connected to our life. And this is why it's vital to understand the importance of praying for enemies comes from actually seeking out God. Like last episode, we talked about to understand a better way to pray is God, knowing him. So understanding that first uh, podcast that was just before this one, if you just started on this one, you should probably go to that one first. We understand that we love and know God and we follow him and we make him first in our life loving others that have hurt us gets a little bit easier to do it does not mean you don't have hurt doesn't mean you're not sad I mean guys like I struggled after all that happened that whole six months was a nightmare and even uh, almost two years of struggling with that almost and like even today there's still like some burning, there's like some burning that's still there because of things I may see or other people that may do things similar. And I sit there and I go, man. But the question is, if we focus on God, do we allow it to become hate? No, we don't allow it to become hate. Because we're not supposed to be hateful. We're supposed to be praying for them and we're supposed to bless them. We're supposed to help them if they're in need. Doesn't mean they'll be your friend. Doesn't mean they'll be back in your life. And maybe you can have someone else be kind to them to help them as well. I mean, the thing is, what we got to understand is it's hard to do this. Trust me. I'm not saying all this as if like, it's so simple for me to do. I'm not talking about this because it was easy. It was a battle. Like I told you, it took two years to get through all the emotions, the feelings, the struggles, the anxiety, the pain. The, the, everything that came from that time still still follows. And I'm trying very hard to disconnect that so that I don't bring it into this next ministry. I don't keep bringing it into my marriage. I don't keep bringing it into other relationships that I have. Because even my wife struggles too. So I want you guys to understand, this is not a one day today, bam, suddenly now you're like forgiving all your enemies. This is like, you got to understand how it will affect you and it will distort your heart. It will distort your mind. It will break down, you know, the armor of God that we're supposed to be fighting against the spirit, not the flesh, because we focus so much on the flesh, because we can see what is happening in the flesh and we can see how it affects us. And like recently, a friend of mine who did an essay, it takes away our peace. And as our peace with God, our peace with our faith, peace with our truth in the scriptures, Start stealing that away from us. And we start losing our mind all about our enemies. And I think it's even the same about how we seek or how we see Satan and his cohorts. Satan doesn't have any power. God is in control. God is the one in power. Satan wants you to think that you are alone and that the struggle that you had in the past, the enemies that you have, no one else has. There's many of us guys, I am sure, that could think of names left and right of bullies, people who abused us, people who have hurt us, people who have said nasty things, lies, whatever it may be. We could think of names. We can think of times of being betrayed, but if they're still holding on to you by what they've done, you are stuck in a rut until we can understand to pray more for those that have hurt us in hopes that they find redemption and hopes that they'll find repentance and hopes that they'll make things right and hopes they'll focus on God and be all for him and, and not for themselves. It's going to be really hard because that situation is going to pull you down. It's going to hurt your relationship. It's going to drive you away from people that maybe you're supposed to be towards, because of what happened to you makes you doubt a friendship. Doubts a, a maybe a chance of a relationship of someone you want to marry. And even if you are married, it may be affecting it and even now, Remember we've talked about anger and bitterness and hate and how it does affect and how I told you we start building a shield that's called pride and that pride starts blocking away any chances of truth that come in correctly because we start to, it comes in and that pride distorts it because we have been hurt. so we distort it to fit what we want as the answer. I'm gonna take a really quick break because I can keep on going on this. So you are right after. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great. You'll all feel great filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. <clears throat> I'm sorry I got started getting really into it because I just felt the Holy Spirit moving. So I'm going keep going. We, we want to hold on to that pain and hurt because we really think that pain and hurt is what makes us feel better. And It's interesting because sin does a similar thing. Sin allows you to feel better for a moment because guess what? Both of these things feed the flesh. And it's not the flesh necessarily what's talking about in Ephesians. It's talking about the flesh as in the sense that we follow our instincts of our sin nature. Holding on to anger and bitterness allows us to have control. And we're never at peace. We never can understand love correctly. We start losing understanding of self control. Anybody seen the connection to the fruits of the spirit? You see, that's where we start losing that. Because remember, we talked about how the sword is the evident of the fruits of the spirit. Because the sword is of the Holy Spirit. And there's different techniques. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, you can go to the series from back last summer on... arm. Armor of God that I talked about It has like techniques And so If we're fruit Of our spirit is not showing any of those qualities That means we don't even have a sword out Protecting ourselves Whether defensively or offensively You seeing that connection? So our enemies Are still winning the fight Because one And this is the scary word. We haven't forgiven them. Two, we haven't let go of what they've done to us. And three, we haven't surrendered it to God. Let me repeat that. One, we haven't forgiven. Two, we're still holding on to what they've done. And three, we've never surrendered it to God. is really hard to let god move in your life to help you to show you what it means to live a life where you don't have to allow that hurt and pain to control you it is really hard to think about forgiving someone who physically abused you it is really hard to not Want to see those who lied or false witnessed you or believed others because they wanted to versus actually knowing you and not even thinking about the fact that maybe these other people were lying or using a scenario that they just decided not to add the rest of the information to create the agenda that they were hoping for. And, and then we can even think about those that bullied us and st- who could still be bullying because you might have a bully in your job. It could be your boss. It could be the guy or gal who's sitting right next to you. This is like a hard thing to grasp You know, forgiving them is different You know, one of the things that could be possible is uh, You buy him a cup of coffee I say, you know, I just noticed You know, would you like to get a cup of coffee? Well, I wouldn't say a guy to a girl Because that can look bad, especially with an enemy But another dude You you never know Because here's the key thing One of the things that we always forget about people That we have battle against or enemies Or whatever you want to call them is they also have struggle. They also have their battles. That they're facing from their past. And guess what? You get to be the front line joke for them. They hurt you because they're hurting. Or they were abused. Or they had stuff happen to them when they are growing up. And this is how they are reacting. This is how they're doing. The The, the part about it that you need to understand is. It's It's wrong what they're doing. So I'm not saying it's okay for them to act this way. They're wrong, but no one told them how to do things right. Other times it's just because they rather obey their flesh a hundred percent because they want what they want. They have their agenda for what they want for their agenda. People are hungry for power, control, for money to feel special. And sometimes that's what they only want. And sometimes they may not even realize they want it until they start being given it and they fall into the temptation. They start tasting a little bit of what is offered and they want more of it. Why? Because that's how the flesh works. You keep feeding fleshly things to, to it it starts taking it in because you remember I talked about how the armor of God can be penetrated by the armor of the world and the armor starts switching from being armor of God to being the armor of the world and it's starting to not only feed just that one armor it starts feeding the other parts of the armor and those start getting affected. Just like I said it like affecting your belt. your belt can be the belt of truth but you start feeding it the lies of the world and it starts acting like the world guess what all the parts of the other armor start changing instead of holding on to the solid truth we start allowing these so-called other truths to dictate what it is now suddenly, we see what we're seeing progressive movements uh, acceptance of this ideology new age mixing into our church <coughs> sorry my throat's getting a little dry let me drink real quick And so now we have this change in the in the culture of our Christian culture, the church culture. You start seeing pastors coming out of seminary teaching stuff that just doesn't make sense. You see, this is the whole point. We have to be super careful because this is how it is. First John 4 20 says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother, whom he cannot, he can see, or yeah, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, the understanding is the enemy wants you to hate your brother, wants you to not want you to see God at all through this. Like, hey, that person hurt you, horrible. Don't forgive them. They owe you. They disrespected you. So now they owe you. And see, this is the world mindset. They constantly want you to think that you are owed. You know, we talk about, I'm sure a lot of the older people are like, oh yeah, that sounds like Gen Z and Gen X. And, and they start pointing that out. But the guys, this is the thing. You guys probably do the same thing. You just don't realize it because you only see in others. It's so much easier to see problems in other people than seeing it in ours. But the thing is, humanity, humans always feel, feel owed if they are not paying attention. That becomes a part of who they are. They need to be aware that, hey, you know, hmm, you know, I'm, s- I'm starting to think really off about this. I got to pay attention to that. And we got to be aware of that mindset. Because it starts seeping into our mind and our hearts and how we think. And here's the other thing, you know, we say I love God, but we hate others. We're a liar, according to God. We're a liar. Now we go to 1 John 2. And it states, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This right here, memorize it. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. If you are struggling with hurt, anger, frustration towards people where it's becoming hate, memorize this, memorize this. Because it's something I'm trying to... like. I can remember it, but memorization for me is really hard. Um, but number 11 says, Whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is what happens when you don't understand how to forgive, to let go, and surrender. What happens is when you don't forgive and you don't surrender or don't let go and you don't surrender is that darkness starts blinding your eyes and remember i talked about earlier affecting your relationships with friends relationship with your wife relationship with the girl you might be dating starts affecting the relationship other people your boss people you work with it starts blinding you to the truth because your anger and hate is what you see. You know, that red red bull minded concept, you know, how when they say, don't ever wave anything right in front of the bull, it charges. Well, guess what? All you see is red. In this case, blindness, in other words, like it's a dark room. You can't see anything, but you are moving around as if you can. And what happens when you're in the dark? When you're in a room that you can't see, that's pitch black, you start bumping into everything, running into everything, hitting everything, stubbing your toe, breaking your toe, falling over, getting hurt. And if you have people who are following you, like your wife, your family, your business, fellow students, Sports, if you're fumbling in the dark, what do you think is starting to happen to those relationships and those that follow you? I'm letting that sink in for a moment. They're stumbling around with you. It is really hard because sometimes... We don't realize that other people are struggling. People that have hurt us are struggling. You know, I think of the movie Up, the grumpy old man concept. And if you haven't watched Up, it has kind of a sad feeling to it. But the understanding behind the whole thing is that the old man has a story, a sad story. And that's why he's grumpy. Other people are hurting, and this is why God's asking us to pray and bless those that are considered our enemies. And we're not supposed to hate because hate leads to being in the dark. We're so blinded by that rage, that hurt, that pain. We can't hear the Holy Spirit telling us what to do. We don't follow the ways of the Lord. We start treating other people with the same feeling we, f- we treat people that we hate. It's not going to be easy. But it is possible to forgive. It is possible to start letting go. And it is possible to surrender to God and he could take it. And we talked about this with the anxiety episode. We talked about how it does affect. And this is your opportunity today to really stop and think about those who you would consider enemies. And if any of you are struggling with hating someone that has hurt you, this is the opportunity. Ask God to help you to forgive. Ask God to help you to surrender. Ask God to to take every day it'll be easier every day there may be days where it's super hard there may be days where you will cry there may be days where you're really angry but then there's going to be days where you also start seeing healing you start seeing change in you. You start seeing the way you look at people. You start noticing kind of like this cloud or, you know, like we talked about, the, the fog of war starts being removed and you start seeing the battlefield a little bit better. You start seeing how Satan used that person and abused that person in their situation to abuse you. You start noticing their hurt, their pain. You start asking... Lord help them to find you And as I said You don't have to be part of their life You don't have to be their friend They don't have to be back in your life But man Seeing someone broken and hurt Who has been evil Repent is amazing Because guess what You and I understand this Because we are or were evil And we did evil things Before we knew Christ and Now he forgave us And don't we want them To find that too Should we not have that desire In our heart for others I sure hope we can So let's pray Dear Holy Father thank you for this time I ask that you use this to honor you I ask that you use this to impact people I ask that you use this to help people and their hurt, pain, their hatred towards others, that they can learn that that's wrong to hate and get right with you and repent today if you hate. But the other one is if they see enemies in people, it's hard. Enemies does not mean hate, but there is going to be people that we could consider enemies that we need to learn to pray for, love on, do good towards. I pray, Lord, that you work in us, help us, and guide us in that. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. I hope you all have a very good week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless.